That's awesome. So good to see you guys. I missed you so last week. I do want to thank Pastor T. I understand he did an awesome job, always does, when he preaches. Thank you guys. And uh, thank him for filling in last week. I was in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, and uh, doing a, a mission conference, speaking at a mission conference. And man, we had a great time over there, but I always miss being with you. Nobody seems to do worship like we do. And so I miss you guys when I'm away. But it is good to be back with you. I am glad as of late last night I learned the world was supposed to end yesterday. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so I was glad I survived. <laughs> but Scott asked me this morning, he says, okay, if I safe, uh, put Mark safe on my Facebook now, I survived the end of the world. <laughs> but uh, you'll hear all kinds of crazy predictions and all. I, I knew the world wasn't going to end. We haven't. We're not quite in the tribulation period, though things are not good. The rapture hadn't taken place yet. We know we're not in the tribulation period. And then there's a thousand more years of the millennial reign that we have not been in yet. I actually read something yesterday. This has nothing to do with the message. But I read something yesterday. When I found out the world was supposed to end, I started researching. And I said, what in the world? And, and somebody who claims that, that they're doing it from a Christian perspective that the world was going to end. And there are Bible verses. I thought, what Bible are you reading? <laughs> it's not this one. I couldn't believe it. I thought, how in the world can you read the word and understand the world was going to end before all that other stuff takes place? Jesus hadn't come yet, and he's going to, though. It's not going to be long. And then, of course, the other events will follow. Anyway, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And if you are new with us, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. God continues to lead us new families all the time. We thank you for being here today. And so glad that Irma has passed and Maria is staying away. At least that's what I've heard so far. The hurricanes. We do have uh, a lot of our people have had some damage and some difficulties. But to my knowledge, nothing real severe. I think God was merciful to us. I really do. Don't you? We do need to remember in our prayers those uh, families down in Puerto Rico and then again in Mexico and all the loss that's occurred from the hurricanes and earthquakes. It's been a difficult, uh, difficult time for a lot of people. But uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do, we've been talking now for the past few weeks about him. We've called this series the Helper, because that's a phrase that is used to describe him, the Comforter, the Encourager, the Helper. And we have so far covered the recognition of the Holy Spirit. We dealt with the ratifying work, or the work that he does to exalt Jesus. We dealt with his redemptive work. And then we also dealt with his reassuring work. And then today we're going to jump into his radiant work. We're going to subtitle this message, if you would, if you're taking notes, The Illuminator. Sounds almost like a superhero, doesn't it? When you think about that, The Illuminator. We're going to talk about the radiant work of the Holy Spirit. Now when we talk about the Holy Spirit being the Illuminator... Let me, let me stop and identify for you illumination. When we think about illumination, here's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with new revelation, and we'll go ahead and give you this, this definition. When the indwelling Holy Spirit imparts knowledge or enlightens the Christian in things pertaining to God. Picture for a moment that all of these lights are out. 
Now don't close your eyes and go to sleep here this morning to envision that. But picture all of the lights out. Nothing has moved. Everything in the room is still here. The chairs, the people, all of this. The objects are there. You just can't see them. They're there. But then with a little bit of light comes a little bit of of clarity and you begin to see and make things out and know what those objects are. Some of you were like I was without power when Irma came through. Uh, we were only without it 36 hours. My father-in-law was without it 89 hours. I don't know how long you were or even if you lost power. But when we lose our power, uh, and it's interesting how we, how we say that. People say, I lost my lights or I lost my power. And the two go hand in hand, but I find it interesting in the way of application that our power is the Holy Spirit and our light is the Holy Spirit. And so uh, you can't lose the Holy Spirit once you've been saved. But what he does is he just turns on the light for you so that you can see what is already there. The truths of God that are already there. It's not new revelation, but it is illumination of what is already there. Can I get an aha? And that's important that we understand, okay? So let's pray together, and we're going to call on the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and do what exactly we're talking about today, which is for him to shed light on some things pertaining to his ministry in this regard. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we're so very grateful, Lord, for the uh, many that have assembled here today to hear your word taught. And I pray, God, I know they've come today not to hear from me, but to hear from you. And so I pray, God, you'd speak. And I pray, God, that you would just turn on the light for us, that we could see clearly, understand better things that we've never even understood, or maybe things that were cloudy and confusing to us. Lord, may we gain clarity and understanding. And Lord, we know to do that that we need the work of the Holy Spirit so father we call on him today and we ask God that you give us understanding and and illuminate to us the scriptures and the things about you Lord the things that pertain to you Lord we pray that you'd move in a mighty way today in Jesus name amen Amen. I want to invite your attention to 1 Corinthians to begin with. Would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians, if you're not already there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we're going to start. I heard about the guy this past week. Maybe some of you can relate. He, was, uh, he recorded, put down in writing that he had been looking for his phone in his car for 20 minutes while he was using the flashlight app on his phone. <laughs> to, uh, any of you ever done that? I've actually been talking on my phone while I was looking for it, so I don't know. You, uh, you need to pray for your preacher. <laughs> Let's take a look at this text. In your study sheet, I think I've given you verses 11 through 14, but I want to back up a little. Would you permit me to do that? Let's go back just a few verses to verse 7, okay? So we're going to begin there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Look at what Paul says. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Isn't that an interesting statement? Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We use that verse a lot to talk about heaven and what heaven is like, don't we? We say, you know, it's very difficult to describe what heaven is like. The Bible even tells us you can't describe it, that, that it's not entered into your heart and into your mind. Here's, here's what it's saying. The Bible is telling us, you know, there are things about God you cannot comprehend. But what you do know about God and you have comprehended has come because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's read on. Uh, verse number 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are, look at this phrase, spiritually discerned. That's an interesting phrase. In the Greek, the two words that are used there are pneumaticus and acrino. Now, uh, that and $5 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So I don't know. You say, what is the purpose? Well, you understand those words. Uh, uh, pneumaticus literally means by the aid of. A and the word translated discern for us here means to investigate, examine. So here's what the Bible is saying. There are some things that you cannot understand without the Holy Spirit giving you his aid so that you can investigate them and examine them. This is why, and the Bible says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now, now let me pause a moment and say this. If any of you have ever been witnessing to a friend of yours who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, and you've been trying to, to explain to them some of the, the, the answers to questions they may have, only to find yourself sort of frustrated that you're not able to get it across, there's a reason why you're not able to get it across. The natural man, that means the unsaved man is who that's talking about. The person that doesn't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them cannot understand some of the stuff. It's foolishness to them. That's why some of us here today and we say, we know that God created the world. We know that God exists. We're aware with such confidence. But then other people that we know, maybe co-workers, maybe even family members, look at you and they say, oh, you're foolish. We look at the thought of evolution and we say, that's silly. Have you even looked at the makeup of a man? Have you even looked at all of the intricacy of, of all of that? Have you, have you bothered to examine things to the point that you realize it couldn't just happen? You don't, you don't put a few typewriters in a room and, I'm sorry young people, word pros computers. <laughs> you don't put a few... <laughs> typewriter? What in the world is a typewriter? <laughs> Amen? See, what is that? You know, 
You don't throw a bunch of computers into a room and throw a stick of dynamite in there and explode and suddenly have a book that's all been printed out for you and compiled neatly and makes sense. You don't do that. But to think that that happened to you, to us is foolish, but to them what we believe is foolish. They can't understand it. They don't bother to try to. They can't. It's spiritually discerned. It's difficult for them to fully comprehend. Is that rain? I thought they missed it a day by a day. It's okay. He's coming now. Amen. We're ready. They were close, man. All right, we're going we're gonna to gather back together now. <laughs> Illumination. Illumination. So they're spiritually discerned. All right, let me give you the first point. Uh, number one, if you want to fill in your blanks in your study sheet, he illuminates for the sake of information. For the sake of information. Did, did you know, and I think this is important that we, that we stop and focus on for a moment, okay? Did you know that God reached out to us? It was not us that reached up to him. It was God who said, let me tell you who I am. I want you to know me. Can I get an amen? That's a wonderful thing, man. That God reached down to his creation and he said, I want you to know me. Matter of fact, let me go a, far, a step farther with you. Remember when you're studying the Bible, you're reading the Bible and you get you're just a few pages in or a few verses in and you find out that God shows up in the garden walking in the cool of the day. I love that because it doesn't say he sent, a, he sent Adam an invitation to come and walk with him. He shows up to walk with man. God came to us and said, I want you to know who I am. And he began to give us information. But without the Holy Spirit, we cannot know those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 reads this way. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it was God who came up on the scene and said, you know what, I'm going to turn the light on for you so that you can see those things that you cannot otherwise see. Remember when Jesus walked the earth, he used phrases when he talked about the religious crowd who didn't understand who he was and what he had come to do. And he used phrases like they were blind and they could not see. The songwriter has recorded that for us and we sing it that I once was blind but now I see. What are they saying? I was in darkness. Did you know that the spiritual condition of the earth, the spiritual condition of the world is described in the Bible as men groping in darkness? It's because without the light of the Holy Spirit bringing in who God is, you cannot know him. You cannot know him. But he has shown his light. He has given his light. And the Holy Spirit helps us with this. Let me read to you a quote from J.I. Packer. Who has some, some wonderful writings out uh, concerning. He's a, uh, obviously some of his books are old. But uh, they're tremendous. Let me read to you this quote. The knowledge of divine things to which Christians are called. Is more than a formal acquaintance with biblical words and Christian ideas. Did you catch that? It's more than a formal acquaintance with biblical words and Christian ideas. It is a realizing of the reality and relevance of those activities of a triune God to which scripture testifies.
sanctifies. Such awareness is natural to none. Did you catch that? It doesn't come natural for you to know the things of God. It comes supernaturally. The Holy Spirit has to be involved for you to know who God is and what he's done. He goes on and he makes this statement. The work of the Spirit in imparting this knowledge is called illumination or enlightening. It is not given, it is not giving of new revelation, but a work within us that enables us to grasp and to love the revelation that is there before us in the biblical text as heard and read and as explained by teachers and writers. Again, illumination. It's the turning on of the light so you can clearly see what is already there. Somebody reading the Word of God and they say, oh, God revealed this to me. No, actually he illuminated it. It's already there. It's not new revelation. This is very important. And it may sound like I'm, I'm straining at gnats and swallowing camels, but in reality, it's important we understand there is no new revelation. That all the objects are already in place. That all the things are already there and God turns the light on so that you can see them. And it used to be you couldn't see everything. You could only see a few things. And now as you grow in the Lord, you see more and understand more. But it's not new revelation. When you get into the subject of new revelation, you get into people who are prophesying things that are not in the Bible. And when you get into that, you get into a lot of heresy. You get into anything. If you can make it up, man, I'm telling you, you come up with all kinds of interesting thoughts. Like the world's going to end yesterday. You come up with all kinds of stuff. If you can make it up. We all knew it was today. We heard it. No. All right. So how do we, how do we gather knowledge of the holy? How do we do this? I find it interesting in the scripture it records for us that even by nature you can gather some information. Did you know that? You can. Uh, the, uh, psalm 19 verse 1 I'll begin. To the chief musician a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Let me put it another way. You ought to be able to look at nature and determine, wow, somebody made this. But instead, what's happening in the society we live in, and it's very real, people worship the creation rather than the creator. There's, they still marvel at it. They still, you, any of you been to the Grand Canyon? Would you raise your hand, please? Now, how many of you, when you looked at it, said, wow, what a hole? You see, see what I mean? <laughs> crazy man it's crazy but to think that the Colorado River carved it is also crazy if you look at it even and 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 if it carved it it had to take the sediment somewhere and do you know where it took it all around where it is not where the river goes study it you'll see it it's impossible but that's what they'll try to tell you, that it was carved out by the Colorado River. You say, what are you getting at? I'm saying you ought to be able to look at things and say, wow, what a God who made this. What, a, what an incredible God. And we should learn of him by even nature itself. And then there's the face of Jesus, which we just read a moment ago. John 1 and verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said on one occasion, If you've met me, you've met the Father. Amen? Amen. 
You want to know what the Father's like? Look at what Jesus is like. Take a look at him and you'll see more about who God is like, what he's like. And then there's the idea that sometimes in the fierceness of God, and I don't know how many of you have thought this. I want to be real careful with this one. I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm going to say. Not that that ever happens. <laughs> but I, I don't want you to be confused about anything. I was, I was watching the panic of, of Irma in our community. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, where's the same confidence and arrogance toward God that actually society has it's like all of a sudden now things are out of their reach they don't know what to do with 104 mile an hour winds that hit off the shore over here in Ponte Vedra they don't know what to do with the 87 mile an hour wind that came in we're not real sure what to do with the fierceness of an almighty God we don't know what to do with what we call natural disasters we can't we can't but we think we can control our own existence in eternity even the fierceness of God should bring a knowledge of God it ought to bring about prayers for his mercy Romans chapter 9 verse 22 what if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction do you remember in the Old Testament when, when Moses uh, was going to lead the people? I, I love the story. God comes to Moses and he says, Hey, uh, Moses, I want you to go down to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him, let my people go and uh, only he's not going to do it. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? He's not going to do it. You know why, Moses? Because I'm going to harden his heart. You know why I'm going to harden his heart? Because I want the people to know there is a God. That's what he said. I'm going to use all of those plagues. I'm going to use all of those circumstances. I'm going to harden his heart. Because in hardening his heart, I'm going to show that, that I am more powerful than they ever thought. And I'm going to show them my power and my strength. I'm going to do that because then they'll come away knowing there is a God. So even the fierceness of God reveals who he is. And then there's the word of God that we have today. I'm so thankful we live in the times that we live in. I really am. You know, God could have put us anywhere. Right? He could have put you back there in the day of the typewriter, young people. He could have done that. He could have done that in the, in the old rotary dial phone even, man. Give your finger the little ride back. Some of them are like, what's that? What's the phone? I've seen one of those at my great-grandparents' house. The Word of God. Hebrews 10, verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus said, look, you want to know about God? It's in the volume of the book. It's in the content of the book. From the beginning to the end. It, it, no matter where, I had a pastor friend tell me one time, no matter where you cut it, it bleeds the blood of Jesus. It's all about him. All of it. It's about him. You want to know him? Read about him. You want to know what he's like? Read about him. It's all there. It's all there. The word of God. Information. Information. I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit, he convicts of sin, he convinces us of the Savior, and he conveys to us the knowledge of the truth. 
all of that information, God has said, I want, to, I want to disclose this to you. And as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who teaches you and guides you into that truth. Let me talk to you about point number two for just a minute. He illuminates for the sake of instruction. Not only in information, but instruction. I know instruction is information, but I'm talking about a more personal thing, about the direction we travel in. He not only tells us about who God is, but he also tells us the direction and his will. What is his will for our life? He will do that in our lives. That's not some kind of secret that he's holding out on. A lot of people strain with this and struggle with this. What, what is God's will for my life? Part of the struggle, and I'll not go into great detail here with you. I didn't plan to do that at this particular moment. But part of the struggle is a misunderstanding of the will of God. When you study the Old Testament, you go back to Adam and Eve again in the very early stages. God made his will known. He said to them, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's what God was saying. There is freedom within my will, but there's a boundary. And when you cross that boundary, you're out of my will. The only time that what we might call the dot, and that's what we look for, we picture this archery target and there's this bullseye in the middle and that's what we look for in our life. The only time that dot actually exists in the scripture anywhere I can find has to do in some way with evangelism, a major evangelistic effort. Paul the apostle got the vision of the Macedonian who said, come over and, and help us. That's the dot. Peter was on the mountain, I mean, not on the mountain, on the rooftop praying and God sent the servants over for Cornelius. It was the dot. Go and tell him and his household. It was the dot. The only time we find the dot has to do with major evangelistic efforts. But in our lives, we're constantly looking for the dot. When in reality, it's the whole target is the will of God. There's freedom within it. Adam didn't have to ask God whether he needed to eat peaches or apples or pears. He said within, uh, there was freedom within that will, but he knew where the boundary was. And I say to you today, ladies and gentlemen, that God can instruct us and does instruct us. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So how does he do this? He lives within us if you're saved. The Holy Spirit indwells you and he is your teacher. He's a built-in, full-time tutor. Praise the Lord. Teaching you, directing you. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his, his fruit in his season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. He talks about meditating in the Word of God. What does that mean? Later the psalmist would say it again many places, but in Psalm 119 verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Meditation of the Word of God involved more than just sitting and thinking about it. It involves several things, including the, the letting it roll off of the lips over and over, repeating it out loud even to understand what God is saying. So I ask you today, do you meditate? on the Word of God. 
There are three things I want to give them to you that might help you with the instructions of God in your life. These will all come up on the board for you as well as in your study notes. If you have a fill in the blank, you can write them down. Number one, rehearse the word of God. That is, go over it and, and, and understand. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So read it over and over. Look at it. Say it. Let it roll off your lips. Recall the work of God. The psalmist also said, Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. Think about what God has done. Remember David, one of my favorite stories in the Bible uh, is David and Goliath, of course. And, and when David was getting ready to face the giant, and Saul looked at him and he said, You can't do that. You're just a kid. The Hebrew says you're a scrawny little kid. No, I'm just kidding. But, but he said, you're just a kid. You can't do that. And, and, and what does David do? Do you remember? He gives him a verbal resume of the times that God delivered him. The works of God. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when you start fearing and having trouble and you don't know what to do and you need instruction or you fear that what you think God's told you to do, stop and rehearse the fact that God has not brought you this far to leave you now. He'll get you through it. <laughs> My wife, bless her heart, where's she? Oh, she's over here. <laughs> we, uh, we went into a store before we were traveling and she asked the person behind the counter for an atlas. <laughs> she likes to look at the atlas while we travel and and so she can tell me I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> and, and the man laughed at her. Like you laughed. <laughs> Didn't know what Atlas... He, she ran into one young person and asked them if they could direct her toward that and they wanted to know what it was. Because <laughs> everybody's got GPS on their phones, you know. You just plug it in. But you know, there are some places you go that phone won't work. It freezes up. There's about four places on I-10 between Gulfport and here. It won't tell you where you are or where you're going. And so you need something else that can do that. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The Word of God won't lock up on you. Huh? God's not going to bring you so far and then say you're on your own. It doesn't happen that way. He'll lead you and He'll guide you and He'll direct you. He'll show you exactly what it is you need to do. So recall the works of God. The third thing there was request the way of God. Ask him, what do you want me to do? Psalm 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and his, he delights in his way. Let the peace of God rule. Colossians 3.15 talks about that. You're not sure which way to travel. Let God's peace direct and guide you regarding that. By the way, she finally did find a store that had an atlas and we were able to get one. And, and again, she told me I was going the wrong way most of the trip, but that's okay. We won't go there. John 16 and verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you. I love that word. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will tell you things to come. So, so the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is there to give us instruction. 
He's going to lead us and guide us, and he uses his word to do that. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. So I ask you today, if you're confused, if you happen to be among those that have gathered here today or maybe listening by the way of, of internet and, and the webcast, I, I, I just wonder, how much time have you spent in his word? It's through his word. It gives light. It gives understanding. I, I had a situation, I'll, I'll be somewhat transparent with you here regarding this. I had a situation while I was away. Uh, and by the way, you know when a pastor's away, he's not away because as long as you got a phone that's not frozen... And you can access emails. There are constant things that are happening in a ministry our size. And I was really troubled one evening. I was really troubled. We had some issues that were going on that we needed to take care of. And, and I was troubled. And I didn't know what to do. And so I, I decided, you know, I tell people all the time, when you don't know what to do, <laughs> you just need to go to the Lord. So I did that. I took my own advice. I went to the Lord. And you know, when I got up that morning... I had such clarity and understanding. It was incredible. God just started laying everything out for me. And I just thanked him and praised him all morning long. I said, God, thank you so much. I was utterly confused. I didn't know which step to take first. I did not. I knew we had to make some major decisions. And I'm talking about major decisions. And I wasn't sure which one needed to come first and how I needed to do it. And he just laid it all out for me. And I'm so thankful he did that in my life. And what I'm trying to tell you is spend a little time with him. And let the light come. Let the light, the understanding will come. You're confused and read his word. He'll show you. He'll guide you. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker does uh, not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When I read that verse of scripture, and some of you know it as the old, the old English reads, to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. When I read that and I hear the words rightly dividing, do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that means it is possible to wrongly divide it? It is possible to misinterpret it. So as you study, compare scripture with scripture and ask the Holy Spirit and he will turn the light on for you. Isn't that a wonderful, I love that. He will show you what it is. He will guide you and direct you. Last of all, let me talk to you about why he illuminates not only for information but for instruction and also for influence sake. Light penetrates the darkness. Light, no matter how small the candle is, darkness does not stay when there's a little bit of light. Can I get an amen? amen? So very true. Let's talk about this for a moment with you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 reads this way. That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Notice this. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Well, now, wait a minute. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he turned around, he looked at his disciples, and I believe it was applicable to all of us. And he said, you are the light. Amen. You are the light. Amen. Yes. Now, Paul grabbed that. He understood that. And so he says to the church at Philippi, and I believe to all of us, you have been set as lights in this world. It is a dark world. But you are the light. 
Every now and then somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I work in an awful place. I, I'm around these people and man, it's terrible and I need you to pray to deliver me. And I'll tell them nowadays, I didn't used to do this, but then I started realizing some things about it. And I'd tell them, do you know if God moves you, maybe God will move the only light they have there? You may be the only light. You might be a missionary where you're working. You might be a missionary in that school that you're in. You might be the only light those people will ever have or see. And you're asking God to move you because you don't like the energy it takes to shine in a dark and dim world? God made us those lights. And as the Holy Spirit lives through us, we should live and let that light shine. I heard the story about a little boy that was sitting in church with his mom and they were in an old church, kind of like the one on the video I put on Facebook. Some of you might have seen that big stained glass windows and he was looking around, saw the disciples and the light coming through and the preacher began to preach and he was preaching away and he said, do we know who a saint is? Can anybody tell me what a saint is? And as the little boy looked around, he spoke up loudly. He said, a saint is somebody that lets the light shine through. Because he had seen them on those stained glass windows. And what a truth that is. You're born again. You're a believer in the Lord. The light ought to be shining through you. Shining through you. You're familiar with it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's an interesting passage of Scripture, and I want to tell you about it. Most of you know it in Revelation chapter 2. It's the first of the seven churches that John addresses. It's the church of Ephesus. Most of us know and understand that the major problem they had was they had left their what? First love. So the Bible tells us that God has something to say to them. In Revelation 2 and verse 5, he makes this statement. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly. Now notice this phrase. And remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now church, I want you to hear me. Most of the time... Most of the time when I'm preaching, I am begging God to speak to individual hearts. And I hope that's been happening today. But I also want you to hear this corporately. Because a church's influence depends on what the church loves. If you lose your first love, and that love has to be the Lord Jesus Christ... If you lose that passion for him, the Bible says God said he was going to remove the lampstand. Do you understand what that means? It means the influence that you are in the community and the influence you are in the world can be taken away. And you can become one of those churches where people drive by and say, oh, I remember how that used to be. I remember how worship used to be. I remember how they used to send the gospel around the world. I remember when people were getting saved all the time at that work over there. I'm not real sure what happened. I'll tell you what happened. God can remove the candlestick, the lampstand, if we don't stay right with Him. So I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, let's take the warning and let's be aware that we are to let our light shine and we're to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, that first love. Somebody said, let your light shine so brightly that others may see their way out of the dark. 
out of the dark. There are many examples that I could go to, but I, I love this, uh, this story. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses has been on the mountain with God. And some of you know where I'm going with this. Moses has been up on the mountain with God. He spent several days up there with him. Now it was so, verse 29 says, Exodus 34. Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, that he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were all afraid to come near him. Verse 35 says, And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of his face shone, that Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went back to speak with him. I, I love that story. Here's Moses. Now, now follow me. There's a point to this. Here's Moses. Moses spending time in the presence of God. Never really lays eyes on God himself. Has been permitted to see the hinder part of God at least at one time. Remember, show me your glory and God showed him the hinder part. So in the presence of God, now follow me. In the presence of God, Moses doesn't even know what's happening. But he, he's beginning to take on some of God is rubbing off on Moses. Amen? Amen? And his face begins to shine. So he comes down and the people are noticing that his face is shining. Now they're afraid. They're not sure what to do. So Moses has to cover up his face because he's shining and they, they don't know what to do with it. And, and I love this story because the Bible tells us, and I, I find this interesting in the New Testament, Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, when people were listening to the apostles and, and understood who they were and where they were from, in verse 13 of Acts 4 it reads, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let me give it to you this way. I don't believe you can spend time with God and not come away shining. Now, I don't necessarily mean glistening where you got to cover your face, but I'm talking about letting your light shine. You spend time with the Lord, that's exactly what's going to happen. Spend time with the Holy Spirit, some of, some of Him is going to come out. I'm told the story and I'll close with this. Many years ago, there was an elderly man who sat on his balcony. And he looked down a dark street. And up came a man with a long pole with a light at the end. And he lit the first lantern on the street. And he went to the next light. And the old man watched as the street began to light up from the lanterns as they were lit. The man doing the lighting was known as a lamplighter. Eventually, the man had made his way down and went on his way so that the older gentleman on the balcony could no longer see him. But he could see where he had been. He saw the light that remained behind him. And he could see very well down the street now. The Bible says, let your light so shine before God that, or before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, that they may see your good works 
not that they may see you. Amen? It's not about somebody looking at you and saying, wow, you must have spent time with God. But it's about people seeing the light that because of your life, they now can find God and give him glory. Would you bow with me a moment in prayer? Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you for the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. And God, we ask you today to be our teacher and our guide. Lord, we pray today that you'll be our instructor, that you will guide us, Lord, that our steps might be ordered by you. So God, we ask that you take this invitation and make it yours. Lord, I don't know exactly what me, might be on the hearts of the people that are gathered here. But Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you, I pray the Holy Spirit will turn the light on in their heart and in their life to understand that they are a sinner. And without trusting Jesus, without being born again, they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Lord, show them that Christ loves them and died for them. Show them, Lord, that all they need to do is call on him. Trust what he did on the cross of Calvary and they can have forgiveness of sin. Eternal life is available. Lord, I pray, turn the light on. God, I pray, turn the light on for the Christian who for some time maybe has not grown the way that you intended for them to grow. Maybe we have failed to shine our light in the presence of a world that is dark and dim. Help us to leave here today, Lord, desiring to shine brightly for you. May you do a work in us that you might do a work through us and that we might let the Holy Spirit just shine through us. In Jesus' name, all heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The invitation is open. You don't have to be a member here to come and pray. If you'd like for somebody to talk with you more about salvation, we'd love to do that. If you'll let me know when you come forward, Pastor, I'd like to know more about this thing of salvation, how to be born again. We can have a counselor talk with you. It'll take just a moment of your time. It'll make all the difference for eternity. But if you just want to come and pray about a matter, we're not going to disturb you or bother you. You come pray. Return to your seat whenever you're finished. So you do whatever God tells you to do. Rely on Him and listen to Him. And may God bless you. Would you stand with me, please? The invitation is open. Let's pray.